Thank you for listening to the Stories of Bedtime podcast. My name is Sherry R. Much love and appreciation for stopping by and giving this episode a listen. If you end up enjoying, please consider liking and subscribing. It gives me a bit of a push and motivation to keep on writing and sharing these stories with you. Now, without further ado, our adventure, this adventure, begins. The World of Kahania where the stories of many come together, a world brimming with knowledge, resources, and wonders beyond your wildest imaginations. From the mechanized continent of Automaton, where the Blue Veil Cup is held, run by the Warforged who hope for the preservation of life. To Matsuri, the continent imbued with fey magic, where the last children of Yggdrasil lie, and where the giant Everbloom resides. Lastly, the continent of Matai, where our story takes place. Not Shadeen, the city to the west, shrouded by the emerald sands of the Garam Desert, or Zalzala, found in the Burfi Mountains across the Jalad Zameen nor Titan's Grove, home to the giant blacksmiths. It takes place in Chand and Thara, sister cities found south of Titan's Grove in a temperate zone between the Garam Desert and Jalad Zameen. Part 1. In the Unlikeliest of Places Episode 1. The Road to the End our story begins with a lone star that shines brighter than the rest in the dark night sky and a boy with caramel brown skin and jet black hair, but with pure white strands sprinkled throughout. His irises, a faded emerald green against the white of the eyes, sits staring through this ever small glass pane window up towards the sky. His hands holding his knees, he then looks around the room, observing. But all he can see are the white walls of the square room he currently resides in, and the thick metal door that only leads to pain. The boy then slumps his head between his knees, a low hum emanating from the walls. The metal door slams open as the now man opens his eyes from his dreaming slumber as the wagon lurches on the rickety road that he now travels. His eyes now scalera with bright emerald irises peeking through, chain tattoos stretching up both arms and a triangular arcane sigil imprinted on the back of both hands. In the center, an ecosahedron pattern with it resting on the number one. His hair, which was black, now snow white along with a beard and a handlebar mustache with its ends curled upwards. On both his left and right ears, he wears earrings that are valuable and dear to him. A crescent moon on his right and a star on his left. Nightmare? A female minotaur asks, who's nimbly knitting away at a pair of mittens she has been working on. You could say that. Jin rubs his eyes, hoping to rub the sleep away. Are we close? You'll have to ask Tyr, as she points over to an older-looking satyr with a big bushy beard who is humming his own tune as he drives the wagon pulled by two fast teeth, two-legged saurian-like creatures with bulging eyes, one with emerald scales, while the other an aquamarine-like color. 
Jin gets up slightly hunched over due to the size of the cart as he looks over to the bugbear with a pure black mane brushed back wearing kimono-like garb and a katana-like blade to his side who's leaning against one of the sides of the cart. Do you mind if we switch places? Just need to talk to Tyr. The bugbear lets out a low grunt and moves closer to the end of the wagon, the minotaur woman giving a slight smile and a nod as the bugbear settles in front of her. As Jin sits down preparing ready to talk, he notices a kid sitting across from him. Light green skin with long pointed ears like that of a goblin and human-like facial features. Seeming of goblin descent, but not quite. Hey. Jin nods his head towards the child. The child does not respond, but rather stares at Jin in almost an observatory manner before scribbling something quickly into a leather-bound journal. Hey now, Locke. It's not polite to stare. The female minotaur with a gentle complexion puts her hand on the smooth, bald head of the child. Sorry about that. He is a curious uh... one. As the child looks down in an apologetic manner. <laughs> no offense taken. As Jin snaps one of his fingers as a small, slightly pudgy, pocket-sized penguin with a bow tie and small top hat appears in Jin's hand. This here is Pocket. Him and I go way back. You could say he is my best friend and partner. The child lights up as he puts both his small hands together in an attempt to get Pocket on his palms. Pocket waddles onto the kid's hand, removes its top hat and takes a bow. You're not much of a talker, are you, kid? Jin smiles at the kid as he starts to play with Pocket. That is awfully kind of you, the Minotaur waits in response for a name. Jin, making eye contact with the female Minotaur with gentle features, wearing a bonnet hat with assorted flowers. Were you not going to ask Tyr if we were close? The bugbear speaks up impatiently. Hush now, Reginald. I'm trying to make conversation. No need to be impatient. If we were close... Tyr would have let us know, right, Tyr? <laughs> I will indeed share. The satyr lets out a hearty laugh as Reginald lets out another low grunt. As you may know, my name is Cher. Now, Jin, what brings you to Thara? Cher asks. I'm just crossing some things off my wish list, one of them being to explore the wonders of various different continents. I heard about the sister cities while I was in Shadeen. Thara specifically because I wanted to watch the Carnival of Madness. Reginald's ears perk up a bit. That sounds exciting. Both Locke and I are actually from there. Cher puts her hand on Locke's head as a gentle but sad smile comes across her face. We decided to move for a change of pace after the passing of my husband. The wagon falls silent for a moment to pay respects before Jin leans in, asking in a gentle tone, May I ask how it happened? He died protecting us from some bad people is all I'll say. Cher goes back to her knitting before slowing and placing her work on her lap. Whatever happened is in the past. I just wish that Locke wasn't there to see it all, strung up the way he was. He hasn't said a word since, but at least he has that journal of his. It seems like it helps. Tears begin to fall from her face. Reginald holds out a handkerchief without making eye contact with Cher, very shyly if one was paying close attention, which in this case, both Jin and Locke were, who turn to each other and grin. Locke places his pocket next to him and pulls out his journal and begins to write things down. 
Jin side-eyes Reginald, twirling his mustache, as Cher grabs her handkerchief and blows her nose. I think I can relate in a sense. I lost people close to me too. Well, the pain doesn't really go away, but you learn to live with it. To keep moving forward. Jin nudges Reginald. He'll be fine though. Seems like a strong kid. Probably gets it from you, Reginald quickly says in a gruff voice. Reggie! Re Reggie! If I didn't know better, I'd say you're flirting with me. Cher smacks Reginald on the shoulder before laughing to herself. Yeah, Reggie. Reggie looks over at Jin and Locke, grinning from ear to ear. Reginald lets out a scoff before readjusting himself a bit and crossing his arms. We're just teasing, Reginald. May I keep the handkerchief? Reginald nods before Cher tucks the handkerchief away. Now tell me, Reginald, what brings you here? Reginald unfurls his arms. Reggie is fine. Everyone smiles. I'm here to participate in the Carnival of Madness that's held every year here in Thara. Everyone looks surprised by the fact that he is not watching, but participating in the games while Jin looks around confused. Tear speaks up. <laughs> Very difficult, these games. The prize any wish will be granted to the winners. But on the other hand, very few have lived to get that wish. Reggie readjusts himself into a more comfortable position. I don't mind the challenge. A good way to test myself. I trained in Ronin with my younger brother Rudolph. Unfortunately, he lost his sight due to a curse that can only be cured by high tier magic. Now it's unfortunately progressed further. So I've journeyed this far to hopefully find what I'm looking for, and my best bet are these games. I'm surprised you couldn't find a cure in Matsuri. The land is so big. Jin strokes his beard, contemplating the thought. Reginald gives an agreeing grunt. Yes, well, we did not have much money. Either I used it to buy a ticket out here and participate in the games, or I used it to travel the lands of Matsuri in hopes to find a cure. The rest was for Rudolph to take care of himself while I would be away. Participating in the carnival was the quickest way. I'm not sure how long before this curse starts affecting him further. He cannot even get out of his bed. But enough about me. Jin, you mentioned Matsuri being big. Have you been? Jin lets out a laugh. <laughs> yes, yes I have been. One of the things I wanted to see was the giant Everbloom found where the borders of Ronin, Horong, and Lung meet. I had to cross the unraveling wastes from Automaton, which is not a fun time, but it was worth it. Reginald lets out a laugh. <laughs> Must be quite the fighter yourself if you were able to cross the wastes. I hear that's no easy journey to make. Tear speaks up once again. I am curious about this Automaton place. A good friend of mine who lives in Chons was born there and moved here when, quote, commissioned to implement a fast-traveling method for getting from one city to the other. That's how the Star or Bus came to be. That SOB is quite something. Cher gets taken aback. You know Franklin Von Einstein? Jin's ears perk at the name. I've heard of him before. He's from a student of his. Apparently accomplished genius who not only made the SOB, but helped in the advancement and preservation of the Warforged. <laughs> he is retired now and owns a tinkering shop in Chon, so if you are ever in town, stop by and let him know that old Tyr sent you. <laughs> Will do. Tyr looks up as a white glow emanates over the tree line. Looks like we're close. You can see the reflection of the moonlight from the lunar panels atop the power plant. Jin speaks through the window of the wagon towards the light. 
Anything I should know about the cities before venturing forth here? You know, places I should go or places I shouldn't. Ah, well, you have a pretty good list already. I would stop by the games if you would get the chance. As brutal as they are, it does bring the city together in a weird, maddening kind of way. The other thing you should try when you get the chance is that SOB. It's transportation and a thrill ride all in one. I actually think I have a ticket. Tear sifts through his pockets before pulling out a single black ticket, about envelope-sized, slightly crumpled with silver outlining and letterings reading Star Orb Pass before handing it over to Jin. Thanks, Tear. Are you sure I can have this? Tear flips his pockets back how they should be. That's no problem. It has been sitting in my pocket for quite some time now. I'm glad it's getting some use, but it is a one-way ticket to Chan, so careful. Otherwise, you are going to have to do it old school like we have been the past few days. Hold on to this pocket. Jin rolls the ticket and hands it to the pocket-sized penguin. Pocket then opens his mouth abnormally large, swallowing the ticket before giving a satisfied burp and wiping his mouth with a tiny handkerchief. The only person who sees this is Locke, who is currently staring with his mouth open before quickly swiveling what he saw into his journal. Anything I should avoid, turning back to Tyr. Venturi Guard. Those lot are the remnants of the Astral War led by General Ollie A. Gregis and his daughter Azalea Crown. Gregis was able to gain a mass of followers and power following the war and now aims to have his daughter be the next leader. At least that's what the rumors say. What do these Venturi guards look like? You know, so I can avoid them? They look like that. Tyr points to a group of four guards donned in red and silver. As they approach closer, Jin notices around one of their necks they wear a gold emblem of an eye with a ruby iris. He makes eye contact with both Tyr and Jin as they pass. The ruby iris on the neck glows as they pass. The one with the necklace speaks up. HALT! Tyr brings the wagon to a stop. Step out of the wagon. The lot of ya! Something is wrong. They usually mind their own business. Tear whispers to Jin before gesturing to Rudolph to stand down, who is at the ready to draw. I said, step out. Three of the four guards draw their blades. Now, now. No need for violence. Tear is the first to exit after calming the fasteeth. I ask what the problem is here. We were just on our way to Thara. This one here is participating in the Carnival of Madness. Reginald exits next, his sword to his side, followed by Cher and Locke. Locke clutching onto Cher's long jacket. As the others are exiting, Jin puts both his hands together as the ecosahedron pattern shifts from a 1 to a 5, and a faint hue of emerald light lights up his tattoos as well as his emerald irises before settling. He then proceeds to pull out his last two gold coins. Well, gotta make it count. He then snaps his fingers as his pocket gives a bow before vanishing and exits the wagon, hands in his pocket. Line up here. The guards with their swords drawn take the flank as the group lines up. The one with the necklace approaches Tyr, looks down at his necklace, waits a second, and then moves to Cher and Locke. Looks down at his necklace. This time, the iris lights up, and the guard nods to another as Cher is pushed down to the ground. Reginald attempts to draw before Jin grabs his hand tightly and shakes his head no. The Venturi guard's blades already resting around his neck. Reginald eases off before the guard donning the necklace moves in front of him. The necklace glows as one of the guards hits Reginald in the back of the knees, bringing him down. It was a chilly yet warm morning like many before, Jin bursts out. The cold winds from the east and the hot winds from the west clash, 
producing a thick fog cloud that begins to roll in. The Venturi guards stand there, confused as the stranger they had just met starts to randomly monologue. During this confusion, the other companions that the stranger had just met race into the thick fog while the stranger stays behind to allow them to escape. There is a silence among the guards before they start bursting out in laughter. What is he on? What a jester! The guards continue to laugh. An eerie, thick fog starts to roll in. Reginald, Cher, and Tyr notice it first as Cher picks up Locke quietly. The Venturi guard with the necklace was the next one to notice the fog, but it was too late. It wasn't so much in confusion, rather panic, as the neck of the guard closest to Jin gets sliced open and the blood splatters across the face of the guard with the necklace, a golden dagger now in Jin's hands. At this moment, the others sprint into the now thick fog, Reginald hesitating before Jin nods to him to go ahead. The other guards recover from what transpired as three swords go for Jin. He acrobatically dodges and disappears into the fog. Sir, I can't see anything in this... One voice disappears as the guttural sound of choking on blood fills the quiet space. I think I see him! The other guard shouts out, his spell illuminating two shadows in the fog. The guard with the necklace turns toward where the light went off and begins to run in that direction. He- As another sound of a blade cutting flesh pierces the fog, then silence. The last guard, the one with the necklace, stops and readies his blade. A stick breaks. The guard shifts towards the sound and begins to shimmy away from the noise spooked before his foot hits something. Looking down, the guard sees the head of his fellow comrade as a golden dagger now stained with blood rests on the guard's neck. All I wanted to do was see the sights. But for some reason, you thought it was okay to get in my way. Now, what am I supposed to do with you, hmm? Oh, I know. How about you suggest an idea on how to do that? You did scare off my one way in, and your life does depend on it. Jin's irises slightly glow as the spell takes hold. I, I can get you in. You can gain entry if you have a voucher saying you're a participant in the Carnival of Madness. The guard reluctantly responds. How would one procure such a document? The blade caresses the guard's neck. I have one on me. Just just let me go, and it's all yours. The guard shifts through his pockets and pulls out a scroll. Jin snatches it up and releases the guard. Well, well, well. Two birds, one stone kind of deal. I like it. You're free to go, and keep your mouth shut for your own sake, because second chances don't come often. The guard bolts into the fog, and the gold dagger dissipates to dust. No more funds, either. Not the start I wanted but the show must go on. Thank you for listening, and until next time.